Do the Rams have their eyes on a free agent lineman that they could sign that could have an impact this season? All that and more coming up on Locked on Rams. You are Locked on Rams, your daily Los Angeles Rams podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, Ramley? Welcome to another edition of Locked On Rams. Thank you for making Locked On Rams your first listen every single day. Free and available wherever you get your podcast. We're also available on YouTube where you can subscribe and follow for free. And let us know, do you think the Rams should sign Dalton Reisner? We're going to get that in just a second. My name is Doug McCain. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at DMAC underscore LA. I've been covering LA sports for over a decade, the Lakers, the Dodgers. Now I'm covering the Rams for Locked On. And as always, I'm joined by that man to your right. The Rams pre-half and post-game show host for the Rams flagship radio network, ESPN 710 LA. You can follow him on Twitter at Travis Rogers. Travis, we got some linemen to talk about, some position battles. You ready to get into my man? Let's do it. The Rams need a lot of help up front. So this is uh, this is very exciting news, potentially. All right. Now, Travis, you know, this offensive line, they've had their depth issues. They struggled last season. They're decimated by injuries and they could have a depth piece where they could sign in free agent offensive lineman Dalton Reisner. And ESPN, they listed the Rams as the best fit for Reisner and Rams fans. They might know him after last season when during the Rams Broncos 54 to 14 bludgeoning. He got in that skirmish with now Rams backup quarterback Brett Ripien. I don't know what they're mad about. I mean, I think what it was Dalton. And the rest of the gang, they didn't help Russell Wilson up after he was sacked a few times at Ripien. He stood up for his quarterback. I don't know if Russell Wilson went up to him and said, hey, Broncos country, let's ride. Or <laughs> even, hey, you want to try one of my new danger witches? But they were not happy with Russell Wilson. You heard him yelling, do something, Rip, do something, Rip. But you were there for that. You remember that incident? I do. I, I do. Look, I I, uh, I am probably the wrong person to ask when it comes to anything Russell Wilson related, because uh, I find him to be the least authentic, good football player I've ever seen in my life. Uh, very good quarterback, very uninteresting human being. And whatever was going on with him, I take the other side. So but, but yes, to, to your point, I do remember the incident. Yeah, and I don't think it would be an issue, but as far as his fit for this team, it does make a lot of sense. And if you look at him last season, his strength really is a pass blocker, as a pass protector. And we know that it's about protecting number nine at all costs. And you look at the depth at the guard position. If you look at this offensive line, they could use a veteran like him, a guy that could step in right away and really help this offensive line. Yeah, I think that's the key part right there, right? It's the veteran part of what you just said, D-Mac, that I think is most intriguing for the Rams because you think about who the two most likely starting guards are, and combined, they have zero seconds of NFL experience, right? You got Logan Bruss on one side uh, who was drafted high by the Rams last year, got hurt in the preseason, never really played uh, any 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 NFL football last year in his rookie. So his rookie year. So for all intents and purposes, this is his rookie season. On the other side, you got Steve Avila, who you just drafted with your top overall pick at a TCU. While both of these guys are promising players, they are as green as they could possibly be. So anytime that 
that you can add some veteran presence at a position where you're counting on a couple of rookies because obviously injuries is the big thing, but just inexperience and, and, and below the line play, it's not totally out of the, the, the realm of possibility that one or both of them are not quite ready for this yet. And you're going to need to have somebody that you could throw in that is. You can throw in them right away. You can plug them in. I think that Steve Avila is close to being a lock at left guard. I like him right there. You can even challenge Brian Allen at the center spot. You never know. Mm-hmm. But if you look at the other guard spot, you got Coleman Shelton, Logan Bruss, Tremaine Ingram. That is wide open. If they want to protect the quarterback, if they want to improve this offensive line, we know that Sean McVay wants to get back into establishing that run game. Last year, as the piece points out, yeah. he had a 74.4% run block win rate. So I think he provides value from that standpoint. But one thing I would ask you, though, is why do you think he's still a free agent? Because that is always somewhat of a red flag. It's a little concerning when a guy like this is still available, should be in the prime of his career. He should be already picked up. Why do you think he's still out there on the streets? Yeah, that's a good question, D-Mac, and, and, and I agree with you. I think whenever a player that has the ability to play in the league is available at a time in their career when you would expect they would not be, it's something to vet. Now, I, I'll, I'll say this. The Rams have done a really good job with that, right? That when they bring somebody into their organization, those players far more often than not succeed. And, and it could be a player that's somewhere else, you know, and air quotes here, a problem somewhere else, or somebody that was a team killer, a clubhouse lawyer, or whatever it is. Think Marcus Peters. Well, Marcus Peters was fine here in Los Angeles until he wasn't, and then they moved him out. You know, you think about a guy like uh, Jalen Ramsey, who was thought to be, you know, bombastic and everything. Well, Jalen Ramsey, all he was was the best player for the Rams at that position uh, in the entire league. Dante Fowler was a guy that had a reputation in Jacksonville as kind of a bust and a malingerer and somebody who really didn't fit in and Dante Fowler came in and resurrected his career in Los Angeles. So if the Rams like it, I love it. They've been really good at kind of identifying guys to come in and and fit that role. And like you said, they need to protect Matthew Stafford. That is priority number one. If they are, in fact, trying to win games, trying to compete, trying to get back into that playoff picture, they're not going to do it without Matthew Stafford. And nobody got their quarterback hit more than the Rams did last year. And they have to get better up front with those five guys. And and any body that you can have, whether it's Dalton Risner or anybody else, these are the guys that that you're going to go through a lot of them. We saw that last year. And you need depth at all five of those positions. And he can play, you know, a couple, if not three. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, one, he can provide quality depth. There's no doubt about that. Two, I think if they do sign him, it means a couple of things. It means, A, that the Rams got him at a value. They got him at a steal. They're not going to overpay for him. And for me, I've been all in on the cap cleanse. I know the direction that this organization is going. And also realize, too, though, that you have to protect your investment for next season. I think that they feel that, hey, this guy can keep Matthew Stafford vertical this year. He provides value from that. And also, B, it shows me the confidence they have in the current guys they have at that position. And also, C, I think they're a little scared about what happened last season. I think they want to add as much depth as possible. I think they want to protect themselves. It's almost like they want to hoard offensive linemen like people were hoarding toilet paper at the beginning of COVID. Maybe they want to do the same thing. Yeah, I I think you're right. Look, if if I'm going to be a little optimistic here because I don't think that there's any other way to do it with this particular position. What happened to that group last year was almost unprecedented. Every NFL team has injuries. If you're really lucky, you might get through with four or five guys to the regular season. You know, Rams got extraordinarily lucky a couple of years in a row where they had all five of their players basically play all, all season long. Well, last year you were down, and this is not an exaggeration, you were down to two fourth stringers, 
two third stringers and one starter. Rob Havenstein was the only guy that kind of made it through the entire year. Everyone else not only wasn't the backup, but in many cases they were the third or fourth string guy. The odds of that happening again are very, very low, but those second string guys probably are going to have to play in depth is always incredibly important. Yeah, no, absolutely unprecedented last season. I mean, Football Outsiders has a statistic, adjusted games lost, and the offensive line had 71 adjusted games lost. That was the most in a single season since the stat was invented in 2001. So it was truly unprecedented. And I think on one hand, I do like the idea of signing him. I would be for it. I think that if the Rams have the financial means to get it done, I would like to bring him in on maybe an incentive-based contract, something like a prove-it deal like we see with some teams around the league. And if they think that, hey, this guy could come and help this offensive line, I want to see it. But, hey, on the other hand, I also do have my doubts about the guy I think that maybe there's a chance that he might be asking for a little too much money at this stage of his career maybe he doesn't want to take that bargain deal maybe he's looking for that Malibu price per square feet when he really needs to be like me in East Hollywood price per square feet kind of lower that market do you think if he lowers his market maybe he'll expand his potential suitors yeah, there's no doubt. Look, the, the Rams are in a good position here because they, uh, you know, if they want him, they're going to get him on their terms. That the Rams are not where we have to have this. We're one player away. We're, you know, we're a a guard away from becoming a Super Bowl contender all the way. If it works for the Rams, they'll find a way to do it. And if they're getting some some pushback and some numbers that don't make sense to them, they just won't. They're, they're actually in a pretty good spot when it comes to something like this. First year, first year. And also, I just want to mention this. This morning, a Minnesota Vikings fan, they tweeted him saying that for him to come to the Vikings, and he liked it. So, hey, if you want him to come to the Rams, just tweet him and see what he says, and we'll go from there. It's as easy as that, right, Travis? Absolutely. Just pick up your phone and start firing off tweets to prospective free agents. What What could go wrong? Yeah, we're totally kidding. Please do not do that. But coming up our next seminar on Locked On Rams, we're going to dive into some of those position battles. We're looking at the tackle spot, the guard spot. That's coming up next on Locked On Rams. But first, let's talk a little bit about FanDuel. Make a fast break to FanDuel during the NBA playoffs because right now, new customers can get a no-sweat first bet up to, check this out, this is nuts, $2,500. You heard me right, $2,500 back in bonus bets if your first bet does not win. Of course, you got the NBA Finals going on right now. You've got football right around the corner. The baseball season is in full swing. You can still get down on the Stanley Cup. There's golf. You name it at FanDuel. They got you covered. Great promotions every single day. The app, of course, is safe and secure. And my favorite part about FanDuel, you get paid instantly. You want your money, you get your money. There's no better place to bet all of the playoff action than America's number one sports book. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and get a no sweat first bet up to $2,500, $2,500. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on FanDuel, the official sports betting partner of the NBA. And we're off and running here on Locked On Rams. Thank you for making Locked On Rams your first listen every single day. Special shout out to our everyday listeners. And we're also available over on YouTube where you can subscribe for free and let us know who do you think should win these position battles. Now, Travis, we're going to start with the left tackle job. We know how important this position is. We know that every time the Rams have made a Super Bowl run, they've had an elite left tackle from 
Big Wit, Andrew Whitworth, he changed the game from 2017 to 2021 sure from Orlando Pace, the guy who yep. the Ball pancakes that was invented for. But <laughs> to talk about this position, starting with Joe Nopum. Now, what you saw from Joe Nopum last season, moving into this year, how secure do you think his spot is for the starting left tackle spot, Trav? Okay. I, I like how you set that up, D-Mac, because I don't think it has anything to do with what I saw last season. I think it's what I've seen from Joe Nopum in his career as a Ram. Last season was a bust, right? He gets hurt, and when he wasn't hurt, he did not play well. So this was, look, the Rams had Andrew Whitworth, like you mentioned there, kind of having his arm over Joe Nopum, teaching him how to be an NFL player. And the men, the, you know, the mentor-mentee thing worked pretty well for him. But I want to go back to when Andrew Whitworth missed some time, and not just a game here or there, but missed a pretty good chunk of time a few years ago. Joe Nopum slid in and was more than capable at left tackle. It wasn't just that they survived with him out there. They were able to run the complement of what it is that they wanted to do. Joe Nopum has played inside as well as outside, so he does have some versatility there. I think that it's his job to lose. I think he's going to get the first crack at it. I think he will hold on to it. I think Joe Nopum's a good football player. I think he had a bad season last year because everybody on the Rams seemed to have something go wrong for him. But if you look at the work that he's done in his career as a totality as an LA Ram, it's been mostly positive, and I'm bullish on Joe Nopum. Yeah, I think with Joe Noboom, it's a situation where, look, we know they gave him that three-year deal, $47.5 million. They restructured his contract, so we know they want him to be the guy. Only problem I have is really struggling in pass protection. Last year, he had a 60.1 PFF grade. We saw the awful start he had against the Buffalo Bills, where Von Miller literally treated him like a chew toy out there, so... He got to a slow start. I'm wondering if he was maybe compensating at that point, dealing with a little pre-injury leading into that. That's possible. But look, the reality is the results just weren't there. He wasn't as good as he should have been. Also, he's been injury prone. Look, he tore his ACL in 2019. Last year, of course, dealing with the Achilles injury. And I think it's something where they're going to give him the runway, but I don't think it's going to be a long leash. I think they would pull the plug earlier than later with no boom. And we're going to talk about Alaric Jackson, who's a guy that I really like, a strong guy. I think he was one of the most impressive developments in which was a, a season filled with lowlights. I think he was a highlight in that you got a UDFA who did a really nice job stepping up in no boom's absence. Yeah. AJ Jackson did a good job for the Rams last year. And, and look, last year, I, I it was a bad year. They only won five games. It was a Super Bowl defense that wasn't like you in the last couple of locked on the everydayers will know this. We, we've mentioned basically the two highlights they had last year. Baker Mayfield showing up on a Thursday night and lighting it up and them absolutely just trucking the Denver Broncos on Christmas Day. Th those were the two highlights. But there are some things like you mentioned, Jackson among them, Michael Hoyt on the other side of the ball, somebody that they found right there. But look, you're right. I think that Joe Nopum did have that that year that just about every L.A. Ram had last year where they didn't play well. And when they did, when they were able to play at all, he does have a history of injuries. Um, you got to play to play well. He struggled to stay on the field a little bit. But look, this is a show me year for a lot of Rams. Nopum among them. Jackson among them. Right. That when you do not have uh, uh, the, the, the high draft pick, when you don't have the draft capital in somebody, it's pretty easy to move on from a guy. Right. It didn't cost me anything. I don't have to try to make this happen. It did cost them a little bit with no boom money, draft compensation and things like that. So he's going to get the first crack. But I, I agree with you, Doug, that if it goes poorly for look, other than Stafford Cup and Donald, if it goes poorly for any of these guys, I think they're all on a fairly short leash. 
Yeah, no, they're definitely going to go with the five best guys. Like Mike LaFleur said the other day, I like that approach. I like the meritocracy in it. And look, as you just talked about, to your point, I think you need some stability. I think you need some continuity. And last season, Rams quarterbacks, they were sacked 9.7% of the time on pass plays. They featured 12 different starting combinations in their first 13 games. And if Nopum's a guy who has dealt with injury, can you count on him each and every week? I think that is a big question. We talk about big wit. I'm a big fan of, look, I mean, of course, we know there's the Stafford jerseys, the Cooper jerseys, the uh, the Donaldson jerseys. But really, other than those three, no one had a bigger impact from 2017 to 2021 than Andrew Whitworth. But since then, I mean, you're seeing last year in 17 games, you had no boom for six games. You had AJ for three games, Nishiki for seven games, and AJ R. Curry for one game. You need more stability at that position. And I'm not so sure that no boom provides that. Yeah, well, you bring up a really good point, and that is that other than the acquisition or the hiring of Sean McVay, the most important thing that they did in the Sean McVay era was go get Andrew Whitworth. You, 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 you cannot overstate. He wasn't the best player on the team. That's always the answer. To that question is always going to be Aaron Donald, but he was arguably the most important player on that team because it gave them a level of competency, of professionalism, of, and by the way, Witt, despite being an older player, was incredibly durable. Oldest player ever to start at left tackle in a Super Bowl. Just this rock of a guy, not just because he was six foot seven, 330 pounds, and not a drop of fat on the guy. I've never, ever seen anything like that in my life. But just the presence that he brought to this team was really hard to quantify. I think he was missed last year. And finding that leadership somewhere else it was a challenge last year and will continue to be until they find that next guy. Yeah, and I think this is an open invitation to get him back in the fold in some capacity. Like ever since he was on the field in the confetti, basking in the Super yeah. Bowl win, he tells his family he's retiring. This offensive line just has not been the same. So having him back in the fold would be great. But I do want to ask you some more questions about Alaric Jackson, because to me, it's it's not as much as, oh, I'm hating on no boom and this and that. To me, it's, I just really feel confident that Jackson is a guy that could be a diamond in the rough. He could be a gem. And I think this guy's strong as an ox. You look at his size, six foot seven, kind of built for right tackle, but can absolutely play left tackle. Was so impressed with him with his run blocking in his first game against the Vikings. He was mm -hmm. fantastic. And also, too, he told the Athletic the other day, I I love playing on the left side. Tackle is my thing for the most part. I understand that they pay Joe, so I get that whole part. But whatever I can do for the team, I'll do for the team. To me, that's kind of a bold statement to stay at this stage of the year to kind of just mention the other guy's name and say, hey, I want that role. You want guys like that, right? You, you want guys that want it. You want guys that are not shy about saying what it is they want. And look, Pressure makes diamonds, right? That you all, you, if you, if I know I got a guy behind me that is saying, "Yeah, I want your job," and oh, by the way, I'm pretty good, and oh, by the way, I might have even been a better player than you last year. You're going to get the first crack because they did pay you, because they did spend, I believe it was a third round draft pick on Nopum a few years ago, whatever it may have been. But knowing that that guy's back here, and I'm kind of crossing the streams here a little bit, but. This was the secret sauce of the Pete Carroll Trojans for years and years. It, I mean, yes, you have all these great players, but the guy that never played was about 1% less than Reggie Bush or Lendale White or whoever it was, or Troy Polamalu, that the next guy was nearly as good. So you're going to push those guys, and you can bring some of that to the NFL, that competition, and, and, and just the, the desire to get on that field. That's good news for everybody, whether it's Noteboom, A.J. Jackson, or anybody else up front. Yeah, no. 
fight on. Forgive Reggie his Heisman. I can't believe I did that as a UCLA guy. I feel dirty now, but hey, no, you're right though. I mean, the fact that they had those lines, I mean, that is what it is. Look, what I always say with the left tackle, if you don't have a left tackle, you're going to be left out when it comes to the playoffs. I mean, really the stats prove you need a top 10 offensive line to win the Super Bowl. You look at last year, the Chiefs and the Eagles, they're one in three, right? You need that offensive nice. line if you want to go the whole way. But the question I have, Travis, is will Sean McVay be bold enough to bench his fifth-year veteran in favor of a third-year UDFA. That'd be a bold move. But I do like the language, the verbiage early in OTA saying that we're going with the best five guys. And look, I don't want to completely slam Noteboom and say that, yeah, he's a complete buzz or anything like that. But look, I mean, in 2021, there were spots where he was solid at times. He's got yeah. to a really bad start in 2022 before he was injured. I also want to mention that, yeah, the blood clock issue for Jack Jackson as well. And that was a little scary. But coming up, Travis, in our third segment, we're looking at that right guard position because another interesting position battle. And we're going to be talking about these position battles more than once on this show. So that's coming up next on Locked on Rams. And here in our final segment on Locked on Rams, we're talking about the right guard position. But first, I want to send a shout out to our everyday listeners who rock with us here on Locked on Rams. Thank you for making Locked on Rams your first listen every single day. We're also available over on YouTube, and we want to know from you, who do you think should take the right guard spot? Now, Travis, this one is a spot that's also extremely open. We know, of course, the Rams, they selected Logan Bruss with a third-round pick in 2022, and it was expected that he was going to need time to develop. He didn't perform well in preseason. To me, he's an unknown at this point, but just where do you stand right now? What's your read on the right guard position, Trav? I, I think you've got a kind of a, a a pretty dead even race at this point between Coleman Shelton, between Logan Bruss. I think these are the two guys uh, are probably you know, Shelton obviously is more experienced. I think that that a guy like Bruss probably has a higher upside. Somebody that if he can find his way in the NFL will probably be able to do a few more things for you at that spot. And what it does, if Bruss plays right guard, it frees Shelton up to kind of be, you know, and I know you and I are both Dodger guys here to kind of be your Chris Taylor, right? That you can play him wherever you need to play him. You need somebody to play center for a week or two. He can do it. You need somebody to slide over to the left side at right guard. He can do it. They go to the right, you know, Bruss is, or dinged up or whatever, he can play the right side. He's able to play all three of those interior line positions pretty well. So having him available to kind of slide up and down that line, I think gives you a lot more options. That's why I think the Rams are probably leaning towards Bruss as the, the front runner at that position, just because it gives them some more versatility. Yeah, it does give us a versatility. I think, too, we just don't know what we don't know about this guy. We have not seen yeah. him perform. We have to give that opportunity to see what he has. And until then, I think we can't assess how good of a player he's going to be. We know they drafted him to play in this role. We know that they've looked at the guard spot. They've drafted a guard with their first pick in the last two drafts. So we know they're trying to bolster that position. Shelton. They signed to that two-year deal, $4.75 million with some incentives. They know that, hey, they're interested in him giving him an opportunity. So the way I see it, kind of my read on the situation is, I think you go with Shelton early, and then you continue to transition into Logan Bruss. So if Shelton can't get it done early, then you pivot to Bruss and see what he has. You also give him some more time to just learn the position at the NFL level. Because we know, Travis, look, these guys at the college level, they have potential. They have size. You see they're going against lesser opponents a lot of the times, but they don't have the technique. It takes a little longer to learn that NFL technique. But, yeah, I mean, you talk about no boom. You said that, you know, the 2018 pick, he hasn't lived up to the hype. Logan Bruss, first pick in 2022. I think it's TBD for him. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. I, I think the, the reason I'm a little more um, 
patient with him than perhaps some other people might be is we really never got to see him, right? That it's one thing if, for instance, to to look at Joe Noteboom, there, there's at least enough evidence to say, okay, I don't like this about that player. With Bruss, sure, it's the preseason. And yes, I, I'm with you that he didn't look particularly effective, but you're talking about one series of OTAs, one training camp, a very small handful of NFL games in the preseason against other NFL teams that aren't really doing everything that they're going to do. Give him a full year to get ready. Give him some real reps against real situations and let him learn a little trial by fire. The good news is, I, I, like you said with Shelton, he's really the only guy that the Rams signed this offseason. He was their own guy. So they obviously have plans for him to play. They're not going to bring him back just to add a depth piece. So I think he's got an opportunity. But this is a team, and this is going to be a common refrain. The everydayers, I'm sure, are starting to pick up on this already. There's the quarterback we know, the wide receiver we know, the defensive tackle we know. Everything else is up for conversation. That And if that means a guy's playing well, he's going to stay there. If a guy's struggling, he's probably going to move him out. They're going to put a new guy in there. And I think that goes for the guys up front, Bruss, Nopum, all these guys we're talking about. Nobody, Havenstein's probably going to stay at right guard, or excuse me, right tackle, uh, no matter what. But everyone else, you better perform or they're going to try something different. Yeah, they definitely are going to try some different things. You're going to see some different iterations. And I know you're a big barbecue guy. Hey, with yeah. Russ, you got beef there, man. I mean, this guy's 315 pounds. And I want to see this offensive line kind of transition to an offensive line that's really just firing off that ball, reestablishing that run game, bullying their opponents. We know LaFleur has tons of experience developing a run game. And I think if you establish that, the pass protection is going to be a byproduct of that. And you're going to have it easier in doing that. So, hey, let the hog mollies eat, man. Let these guys go to work. So I definitely am not selling my brush stock. I think it's still early. And, hey, yeah, I think you got quality at right tackle with Havenstein. But yeah, that is the position group we're looking at today. I still think that, yeah, early on, it might be a little different, but he's going to get that opportunity. So yeah. that is going to do it, though, for this episode of Locked on Rams. My name is Doug McCain. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at DMAC underscore LA. That man to your right is the Rams pre-half and post-game show host for the Rams flagship radio network, ESPN 710 LA. You can follow him at Travis Rogers. And until next time, whose house? is locked on Rams house.